just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well and the week has started off nicely. I got to admit, yesterday was a little different kind of day than I'm normally used to. Normally, I get up in the morning, I watch the news, get a sense about what's going on in the country. Then I do a deeper dive on the internet and such and try to find all the facts of those stories. No matter who you're watching, you're going to get a left-leaning or a right-leaning perspective on these stories. And I want to get a more fact-based perspective on these stories. So I take some time to dig it out. Then I'll do four or five TikToks, just get kind of warmed up, get that out there, think about what I'm going to be talking about. Now, later in the evening, I'll watch the news again. I'll do some more investigation on the Internet And I'll compile a series of stories that I will do in my podcast. And then early the next morning, I mean really early in the next morning, just after midnight, 1 o'clock, I'll record the podcast. Well, now, all that stuff I just told you about didn't do any of it yesterday. Nothing. I am doing the podcast this morning. But I want to warn you, I'm less prepared than I normally would be. I don't think you'll notice. But, of course, I had to bring it up just so you can pay attention and see if it is different. Now, you're probably asking me, why didn't you do the normal shit that you normally do? Well, one very good question. I woke up in the morning. My wife came to me and said, look, I got today off. So you and me, we're going to do some shit. (laughs) I said, well, yeah, but I got, no, we're doing some shit. Now, I've learned something in my 38 years of marriage. You either do what you're told or somebody's going to get hurt. And I'm far too old to take any pain or stress or anything like that. So it's the wise choice just to go along to get along. And that's what I did. And actually had a fine day. Nice day spent with my wife and such. I just wasn't able to do what I normally do on a given day. Now, when I do the podcast, I always ask people to send in comments, complaints, questions, whatever. And they can always do that with uh, an email, rationalboomer at gmail.com, or on anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast and send a voicemail. I always like hearing from folks. Uh, I think it's important to bring in some outside ideas other than just mine on the show. Because as I've said before, I'm not the rational boomer. There is no the rational boomer. I'm a rational boomer. And all of you listening are rational boomers, whether you're a boomer or not. We're all of a similar mindset. And because we have that mindset, we're all kind of one. And that's why I say on TikTok, I don't have followers. I have peers. Now, on the podcast, I do have listeners, but you too are also peers. And of course, I got a couple emails. Now, this is interesting. I got two emails on two different subjects from the same guy, (laughs) Bruce L. Now, Bruce L. was prolific today, and I'll give him that. And he's had some interesting points, so we're going to look at both of those emails. The first one looks like he copied um, uh, a news 
article because it starts out Nashville, Tennessee, AP. It says, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has approved a proposal to split fast-growing Nashville into multiple congressional seats, a move Democrats have warned will unfairly affect black voters. Currently, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee's U.S. House delegation consists of seven Republicans and two Democrats, whose districts center on Nashville and Memphis. Nashville's seat has largely remained intact for 200 years. The district extends into two additional counties and has about 24 percent black population. Pleased to keep Nashville whole went largely ignored in the Republican-controlled General Assembly as it moved through its once-a-decade task of carving out new legislative and congressional districts. Now, Bruce does ask a question. He says, hey, Mike, why aren't the Democrats playing this cheat game the way the Republicans do? What's fair for one is fair for all. And I couldn't agree with you more. This is something I've always said. When you're dealing with a bully, it's nice to turn the other cheek. It's nice to be the bigger man. It's nice to avoid the conflict. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with bullies, there are a certain number of bullies out there that don't understand anything more than a bigger bully coming at them. And the fact is, these bullies are cowards, so they usually run away. And uh, you're right. I think the Democrats should take a stronger, a stronger look at some of the things they're doing in order to stop these sorts of things. I mean, we're seeing gerrymandering. We're seeing voter suppression. And these people are just getting away with it. I have another story about Alabama coming up later in the Supreme Court. That's pretty fucked up as well. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I, I've often thought the same thing. If the Republicans pull this, can pull this bullshit, then why can't the Democrats? Especially now that they have some control. Now, this thing he's talking about in Tennessee, did you notice what it said? It said they make this change every 10 years. So whatever this ends up being, it will be the law for 10 years. And if it hinders black votes, that's a real fucking problem. Because we've got states all over the country trying to block the people of color from voting. Now, as mean as you may want the Democrats to be, and I agree with you, I've had my share of experience with bullies, and uh, I found out that uh, sometimes the only way to deal with a bully is slap them in the snout, get their attention, and show them that you're not going to be pushed around. I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to wrestle with a pig, chances are you're going to have to get in the mud. Now, that may not be the appropriate or Christian thing to do, but the bottom line is, if that's all you've got and it's important to you, then you better get to getting and do what it takes to straighten this shit out. But we've got one way to fix this whole thing. One way to fix this whole thing with a lot of the gerrymandering and and, and these sorts of things, and that is the voting rights bill that we can't get passed. We know the Republicans won't vote for the voting rights bill. That's a given. We should only need 51 votes if we can get around that pesky little thing called the filibuster. That pesky little thing that the Republicans frequently get around without any problem and without any disasters in this country. 
But for whatever reason, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema don't want to mess with the filibuster. So that means we don't get the voting rights passed. So getting back to Brian, uh, Bruce's point, maybe the president, the uh, most powerful man in the world, need to put a little pressure on Manchin and Cinema. This voting rights bill needs to be passed. It should have been passed years ago. But the Republicans have always done what they can to block it. So clearly, so clearly, the Republicans, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, aren't for voters' rights. What they are for is whatever it takes to allow the Republicans to win. See, the Republicans are in a bad spot. We can talk about voting rights and we can talk about gerrymandering and voter suppression. And that may work in 2024. But the Republicans have a big problem. Old white men are fucking dying. And we have more and more people of color in this country. More and more millennials that are more liberal. And there's going to come a point, no matter how they cheat, they can't win. They're just going to be outvoted, outmanned. And that day is coming. They feel it coming. And they're just grasping and grabbing for any bit of power they can hold on to. And clearly, they're desperate because of the ways they're doing things. This uh, adjusting the districts in Tennessee or the voter suppression or whatever they're trying to do or trying to block the voting rights bill. They know if elections are fair, they can't win because old white men are dying and because of the way the perception is of the Republican Party. We'll talk more about that in a bit, too, because uh, they've got real problems. The Republican Party, in fact, knows they have real problems. So, Bruce, yes, I think they should get tougher. Why they don't, um, they never have. I don't know if they're wimps or they think they're above lowering themselves to the Republican level. But clearly the way they've done things hasn't worked. So usually when I do something over and over again and it doesn't work, I say to myself, I say, self, maybe we should do something different. Maybe we should try something different because to keep doing the same shit over and over is not working. And if I keep doing what I've been doing over and over again and it doesn't work, well, that's that's fucking stupid. I've often said the Democrats are kind of wimpy. I don't think they have a real sense. They're not aggressive at all. I'll give you an example. My son, both my sons actually, played football. They're big guys. I mean, real big guys. They were even athletic. Uh, pretty athletic. But neither of them really had the taste for football. They didn't have the intensity for it. They didn't have the ability to go out there and flip a switch and be the mean, tough guys. They're nice, easygoing guys. They're also very smart. So what we learned from that was they had fun playing football with their friends and all that stuff. They were never going to go anywhere, even though they had the size because it's the mentality. Now, that's not a bad thing when you're talking about kids playing football. My kids go on and do other things. They're talented in other things. They're very smart. They end up successful, so it's no big deal. But what I'm trying to say is that's how the Democrats are. They're big guys. They're in the fight. They have the potential to do something, but they just don't have the intensity or the fire in their belly, as a football coach might say. 
and they get walked over all the time. And you would think after getting walked over all the time, eventually you would get pissed off, stand up, and like I say, slap them in the snout. But the Democrats haven't done that as yet. We've got all these investigations. They may be getting ready to do that because with all the stuff that's coming out now, uh, it could get very ugly, and we may see the mean side of the Democrats coming soon. Now, Bruce also sent me a second note. He says, you don't have to put this on the air. Fuck that. I'm going to put it on the air no matter what. Like I've told you, whether you have questions, comments, complaints, recipes, I don't give a shit. You can't embarrass me. You can't upset me because I appreciate anybody's input regardless of what it is. Starts out, hey, Mike, just heard your podcast regarding Amir Locke. He's the gentleman that was shot and murdered by the Minneapolis police the other night. He said, in my opinion, you're a thousand percent correct. This isn't about race. It's about right, wrong, good, and evil. The person's skin color is irrelevant. You simply point out the fact that too often blacks get the short end of things, and that's true, which is a true statement. I doubt that if George Floyd had been white that he would be dead today, and I would have to agree. Let me explain what I was saying about this Amir uh, Locke situation. Um, it was probably about race. Here's a black man with a gun, and they shoot him. But I think what was also came into play here, when you look at how quickly this all went down, they walk in the door, they see a black man with a gun within nine seconds, maybe even a shorter period of time. One of the police officers pulls out a gun and shoots and kills him. I think over and above whatever racism played in this situation, I think panic played into the situation. I think panic plays into a lot of situations where cops kill black men. They're afraid. Now, here's the thing. If I have a police officer, you should have a lot of talents. And maybe you should have some courage and some emotional stability. You shouldn't be the kind of guy that gets scared, pulls a gun, and starts shooting and asks questions later. Clearly, that's what this police officer did. He did that. Race maybe came into play because maybe he felt more in danger because this man was black. He had a gun, but it was legally registered. He had every right to have a gun. Now, all these <laughs> all these Trumplefucks will say, well, he had a gun. That's why he got shot. Well, listen to me. You assholes are the ones that always have to have guns. You're talking about Second Amendment rights. So are you telling me Second Amendment rights only apply to white people? Because when black people have a gun, then it's dangerous. It's not their right. Well, that's kind of fucking bullshit. And I'm not buying it. Just not fucking buying it at all. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's racist. And I'm tired of these double standards that they apply to everybody. I even had one commenter say to me, well, if you just would have complied, complied, motherfucker. When did he have time to comply to shit? He's dead asleep. People break in. They're yelling and screaming. They've got guns. He reaches for a gun, then he's dead. He didn't have time to comply to anything. And let's talk about compliance. 
you're screaming and yelling about these insurrectionists that are going to jail, or Ashley Babbitt getting shot breaking into the U.S. Capitol. You're saying they were heroes and the police acted um, unfairly or unprofessionally, and they injured some of these people and they killed Ashley Babbitt. Well, what about then? We had police officers there trying to stop them. They were trying to stop Ashley Babbitt from breaking into the U.S. Capitol, and she got shot. She fucked around and found out. Now, had these people, the insurrectionists, and Ashley Babbitt complied, they'd be fine. Again, you have a double standard. The black man should just comply. But we don't have to comply because we're right, and we're white. Your arguments don't stand up. They're fucking stupid. And, frankly, Trumplicants have a trait of being stupid. And no one's buying your bullshit. All right, the the email goes on. Says, this is the part I think he thought might irritate me or bother me, and it doesn't. I know that you're done with Whoopi Goldberg topic, and I'm not mad at you, (laughs) but here it comes. But this is the first and only time that I've disagreed with you. Did you see the segment where she made those comments? I believe that she was 100% correct in her assessment of the situation. The Jews were targeted because of their religion. Hitler said he was targeting race, but the truth is that they were targeted for religious beliefs. I bing this topic. Bing is like Microsoft's answer to Google. It's a search engine. Although Jews usually, not, but not always, share a common gene pool, they are not a race because any non-Jew who converts to Judaism will be recognized as being Jewish by all those rabbis who share a commitment to the same denomination of Judaism as the rabbi who did the conversion. Now, as she, Whoopi Goldberg, pointed out, this was a case of man's inhumanity towards other men. And yes, it was totally fucked up, and, and man is still fucked up. Just look at Russia and Ukraine. Vietnam, American Indians, blacks, the Crusades, uh, the Aborigines, man has done some pretty horrific things to other men. Sometimes I question whether our species is destined to survive. You don't have to read this on the podcast. Just wanted to share my thoughts. Well, Bruce, you're damn straight I'm going to read it on the podcast. You have every right to speak your mind, and you have every right to disagree with me. And you know what? I don't have a problem with you disagreeing with me. I'll just try to explain my point on this, and uh, it's because we're talking about two different things. You're talking about semantics. You're talking about, uh, not semantic, semantics. And what you're talking about is what she really meant by race, or if the Jews are a race or a religion or what have you. I understand your point, but that wasn't my point at all. I wasn't questioning if she was accurate or not. I don't care. And and like I said, I'm done with Whoopi Goldberg because in the scheme of things, this story isn't important. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm happy that you you brought it to me. I'm, and that's why I'm talking about it. That's the only reason I'm talking about it because you brought it to me. Uh, as I said, I wasn't going to talk about it anymore because we got bigger issues like Ukraine and Russia, like the January 6th commission. But anyway, 
the point I was trying to make as to why I called her out on it, it was because, not because she was black, not because she was even talking about Jewish people. It was because she was talking about the Holocaust. I'm looking at Whoopi Goldberg not as a black woman. I'm looking at her as a celebrity, somebody who's on TV, a comedian, a TV star, a, a movie star. The point wasn't even so much against her. It's about all of us. The fact that we sit and listen to somebody who's a comedian tell us facts about something they know nothing about. The Holocaust, for example. And this is the one thing that keeps coming up, and that's what's troubling to me. You got Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about vaccinations like the Holocaust. She gets called out on it, apologizes, and then she does it again. And now everybody seems to want to compare the Holocaust to different things. Well, there is nothing comparable to the Holocaust. And all these people talking about it know nothing about it. I don't care that Whoopi was black. It doesn't really make a difference. If it would have been a white person, I would have said the same thing. It's about people sitting on TV, uh, on, on news channels, uh, on stages of all kinds, talking like they are experts. And the problem is they have a platform, a big platform. And just because they said it, there's a large number of people who will believe everything they say. And I'm a firm believer in not talking about things you don't know anything about. It's bound to get you in trouble. Now, anything I talk about on the podcast or in the TikToks, I've looked into deeply. That said, I'm perfectly capable of making mistakes. And when I do, I will do what I can to correct them. This is about celebrities giving us the news. Not only that they make that attempt to give the news, but we as a people sit and listen, believe, and follow those people. This is an issue of the source of this news. I don't think comedians, actors, musicians, sports stars, I don't think any of them are good sources for important news. Certainly not with comparisons of the Holocaust. Very few people in this world today were around during the Holocaust. It was a horrible event. It was a stain on our history of the world. To make comparisons, to bring it up and talk like we know something about it is fucking ridiculous. We get mad. We get mad at uh, um, Alex Jones for saying Sandy Hook didn't happen. People didn't really die. And people believed it. Well, this fucking guy had nothing to do with it, and he was lying completely about it, but he still had an impact. He still made people believe, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Whoopi shouldn't have said that. It wasn't her place to say that. She was trying to make a point. She was trying to be smart, and whether she was right or wrong, she was still out of place for saying it. That's all I'm saying. And it has nothing to do with her being Whoopi Goldberg, black. It has to do with her being a celebrity that doesn't know anything about this shit. I don't talk about the Holocaust much at all because I don't know anything about it. I don't want to disrespect anybody by talking like I do know something about it. I don't. So when you don't know what you're talking about, you don't fucking talk about it. But you get people who have some fame, some power, some wealth. 
and they feel entitled to say whatever the fuck they want and expect people to believe them. I'm tired of that shit. Do what you do. Be an actor, be a comedian, be a talk show host. Don't tell us about the fucking Holocaust because you don't know anything about the Holocaust. All right, Bruce, thank you very much. I'm not mad at you for calling me out. I wish more people would call me out. That makes things far more interesting. (laughs) And hopefully you understand what I'm going to. I, I don't care if she was accurate or not. The fact that she chose to do it. Alex Jones choosing to do what he does. It's silly for people to do this because it costs you credibility. Yes, I know she said she apologized, and that's great. I don't hate Whoopi Goldberg. I hate the whole premise of celebrities thinking they can uh, pontificate to us about things that they don't know anything about and have no business talking about. These are important, serious issues. Now, if Whoopi wants to say, wear a mask and get vaccinated, I get it. She knows about that. But when it comes to other things, and there might be some confusion with it, I've learned from being in broadcasting, don't get into anything that you don't know anything about. And if you find out that you were wrong about something, then own up to it right away and learn that lesson. And the next time you talk about it, if you choose to do that, then you can be accurate. All right. As I said, I am done with Whoopi Goldberg. Because we got bigger issues in this world. We're waiting for Russia to invade the Ukraine. We've got uh, the January 6th committee. we got Donald Trump committing all kinds of fucking crimes. And we'll talk about that uh, when we get back after the break. So let's do that. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. In a previous podcast, I talked about the RNC and how they've caused the Republican Party to be over, to be done. We now have absolute proof that the Republican Party no longer exists, at least as they were once known. The RNC and the chair of the RNC, Rona McDaniel, have stated that the January 6th insurrection was in fact a legal political discourse, which is absolutely absurd. They're telling us that uh, what happened at at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th was perfectly legal. Storming the Capitol, injuring 143 police officers, pissing and pooping all over the Capitol, breaking things, threatening to kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. They're telling us that that is perfectly legal, that the Republicans accept that as legal behavior. Now, we know that all Republicans believe in this because they unanimously voted to censure Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, two Republican House of Representatives, uh, people that, that, that are now trying to do what they can by being on the January 6th committee to uh, find out the truth, hold those people responsible who attacked not only the U.S. Capitol, but our country, our democracy. And because they chose to be on that January 6th committee to find the truth, to fight for our democracy, the Republicans have said, we don't like that. You're hurting the Republicans when you do that. 
Well, I say they're not hurting the Republicans because other than Cheney and Kinzinger, the Republican Party is no longer. It's nothing but a, uh, a rogue group of insurgents. It's terrorists. Now, granted, the people in Congress and the people in Senate aren't necessarily directly causing damage, but it sure sounds like they were involved in planning and facilitating this insurrection. That's something we'll find more about. But the Republicans insist on saying, oh, all was cool. It wasn't legal. And the Democrats are taking advantage of it and persecuting people that are just good law-abiding citizens, even though we've got numbers of them pleading guilty. They pled guilty to the crime. And even though um, Mo Brooks bounced off these insurrectionists prior to the event that Donald Trump would consider a blanket pardon of all of them. Now, had they not known what they were going into was illegal, why would they be concerned about pardons? They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were getting into. And now every day we see more videos of people kind of supporting that it was planned and that it was meant to be violent. There was some guy, they had a videotape on, and he basically said at the insurrection, he said, all you people that voted for treason will drag you through the streets. We'll kill those people. Well, that's pretty damning evidence. Now, that's just one guy, but all you have to do is look at what happened. Clearly, more than one guy was thinking that. People were screaming, we've got to hang Pence. They brought a gallows with them. (laughs) It's not something you just leave in your car and go, oh, shit, I got some gallows. Let's bring those two. They fucking built those things specifically to make a point that they wanted to kill Mike Pence. Now, the problem here and the reason why the Republican Party is no more is because this is what they support. This is their platform. I mean, you've got to remember the Republicans since the Obama, uh, the Obama uh, years, the Republicans have been for nothing. If you remember in 2020, the Republicans had zero platform. They weren't for anything. And... Uh, They still wanted to try to get elected because they were following Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is their hero and their lord and savior. And Donald Trump isn't smart enough to come up with any kind of platform or any kind of policy. So the Republicans just followed along like little cult figures and uh, said, yeah, that's fine. We're just going to go and get elected based on trying to obstruct the Democrats and do nothing. And the crazy fucking thing about it is they got 71 million votes for Donald Trump. And now the Republicans admit, confess that they are about nothing other than treason, sedition and violence. And they did that by censuring Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. Now, this is a problem. This is a big fucking problem. Because now the people, the relatively normal people in the Republican Party are going, oh, shit, that's going to work against us in 2022. Remember what I said about 2022? 
Don't get too bought into this fact that they're automatically going to win in 2022. Not only is a lot of things coming out, you can guarantee as long as Donald Trump is involved, something's going to get fucked up. It's going to go badly. The reason he lost in 2020 is because people were afraid and they were afraid to hear the things they were saying. You don't think people are afraid about hearing that the Republican Party is for insurrection, sedition, and treason? You think people want to be part of that? Well, maybe the base does, but the base only accounts for like 35% max. It's not enough to win any fucking election. The people that were kind of on the outside but always vote Republican, they've got to look pretty hard at this. And with all the information coming out, it's going to be difficult for them to vote for the Republican Party. Maybe they just don't vote, and that's fine. They can't bring themselves to vote for a Democrat, but they just won't vote because they can't vote for treasonous. If they don't want to vote, that's cool. That's fine. Don't show up if you don't want to show up. By the way, you know these fucking elections are rigged anyway, so why would you want to show up? So this is this is going to be a problem for the Republican Party. and They're very upset at this Rona McDaniel. Now here's the interesting thing about Rona McDaniel that you may not know. When she first started out as the chairman of the RNC, she went by the name of Rona Romney McDaniel. And guess what? Rona Romney McDaniel is the niece of Mitt Romney. Now, when this came out, even Mitt Romney stood up and spoke out against it and thought it was very dangerous and ridiculous comment by his niece, the chairman of the Republican National Convention, uh, uh, Committee. Now, Rona always went by Rona Romney McDaniel up until the point that uh, Donald Trump started disliking Mitt Romney. So then she dropped the Romney, just went with the McDaniel, her married name, so she didn't have to deal with that, and so she could appeal to Donald Trump. Now, that's who Rona Rona Romney McDaniel is. Somebody asked Mitt Romney, have you talked to your niece since she put out this, this, this quote and this uh, censure to Kinzinger and Cheney? Because Mitt Romney is appalled by it, but we'll talk about that in a moment. And he said, well, we did have a few texts back and forth. I bet you did. I bet you did. But I don't see Mitt Romney as a hero here because he's just gone along to get along with the Republican Party, too. He may be against Donald Trump. He may be somebody that doesn't believe in this stuff. But what's he doing? Yes, he voted for Donald Trump to be impeached in the Senate. But he knew there was no way that Donald Trump was going to get convicted by the Senate, so it was safe for him to do. He was trying to play both sides of the fence. He voted against Donald Trump for the impeachment conviction, uh, but he doesn't do anything else. He keeps his mouth shut because these people are cowards. All they care about is votes, and if they think Donald Trump will cost them votes if he's mad at them, they'll shut their mouth. And I don't know the quote exactly, but uh, and it could have been talking about World War II, the Holocaust. It could have been talking about any of those things. Um, but what they've said, and it's true, 
is that there are the people, the aggressors, in any kind of conflict, any kind of conflict, the people that are going after other people. Those people are guilty. But the people that are just as guilty are the people that keep their mouths shut. They're too afraid to stand up and speak out, and they just let it happen. Those people are guilty, and that's who Mitt Romney and the rest of the Republicans that aren't the fucking base. That's why the entire Republican Party is fucked. The entire Republican Party doesn't exist anymore. It's now just a a rogue gang of insurgents. That's all it fucking is. Because they've admitted they believe in insurrection, sedition, and treason. They believe in violence. They believe in killing people that don't think they like they do. They admitted to that when they passed this censure of Kinzinger and Cheney because they did it unanimously. So there has to be some people in there that maybe doesn't side with Donald Trump or Rona Romney McDaniel, but they were too afraid to step out of there and go against them. Instead, they chose to go along to get along. And these are the people that are just as guilty as the people that are the aggressors in this insurrection thing. The fact that they're not saying anything is a big problem and is the reason why this still continues and how it's gotten so fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, we heard another story. We talked about it on the podcast. It started out that we heard the National Archives turned over White House documents to the House Select Committee, and everybody was surprised to find out that some of these documents were ripped up. Donald Trump made a regular practice of ripping up documents. And what would happen is these people who saw him do that knew it was highly illegal. So what they did is they walked around behind him picking up all this ripped material and tried to tape it back together as best they could. Now, in most cases they did, but in some cases they weren't able to do that. Um, It said that uh, this practice of destroying documents was relentless for years. Now, what you have to understand, destroying any document during a president's administration, a document that's generated in the administration or by the president himself, highly illegal. It is a clear violation of the Presidential Records Act, and that is a felony. That can get you three years in jail. That can get you in a situation where you can't run for any office again. And this is one thing that may bite Donald Trump in the ass. But the interesting thing about it, it it didn't even stop there. He ripped up some documents. Then we find out that he was ripping up documents all the time for four fucking years. Now, why do you do that? Only to hide evidence. That's the only possible reason. Now, people will say, what was the intent? What was this? Well, here's the next thing that we found out. When the National Archives was trying to bring together, gather all these documents from the White House, there was some missing, and guess where they were? There were 15 boxes of documents in fucking Miralago. Now, just by virtue of Donald Trump grabbing up those boxes and transferring them down to Mar-a-Lago is tantamount to destroying them. 
And in fact, in some of the destruction, we're hearing that there were even some documents burned. Apparently on that level in the White House, they have these things called burn bags. And there are times when top secret information is legitimately burned in these burn bags. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently Donald Trump must have had a, a nightly bonfire because he was burning a lot of documents. But what's really intriguing is that he had 15 boxes of documents in Mar-a-Lago. Now, the thing about that is, is each one of those boxes is a violation. And each one of them carries a three-year three term in jail and uh, many other things, uh, certainly some uh, fines. And as I said, if you're convicted of such a thing, you can't run for office again. And if the goal is to get Donald Trump not to run for office again, this may be the thing that gets him. At least we can hope so. These are clear violations. You don't even really have to do investigation. The Select Committee has already pretty much done that. That in itself, these laws broken, should be transferred over to the DOJ, and the process should be started right away. Now, we've gone back and forth about this, how, well, prosecutors are afraid to prosecute presidents because it looks political, and then the Republicans will be screaming at us, and we don't want to do that. Well, the problem for Merrick Garland is these are clear-cut violations of the law. And by not doing anything with these is probably going to appear more political than anything. Now, he can be upset about worrying about the Republicans yelling at him for prosecuting Donald Trump and anybody else that was involved. But if he doesn't, you can bet he's going to get a lot of heat, not only from the Democrats, but from the uh, White House. Now, they can't do it um, directly, but there can be all kinds of pressure put on. If Merrick Garland isn't doing his job, if he doesn't follow through with what he does, while Joe Biden can't interfere in his investigations and process, he certainly can fire him. And Joe Biden probably would if he thought it was going to hurt the Democrats in the coming election. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Merrick Garland does. You know, everything is a delay. Everything takes a long time. But now we're short on time. Merrick Garland is kind of backed up in a quarter, corner. Here you've got these clear violations of the law. And you've got to do something or not do something. If you don't do something, you're going to get a lot of heat. You're going to cost the Democrats a lot of damage. If you do file prosecution on some of these things. Yes, the Republicans will yell about you, but they're going to fucking yell about you anyway. You're the Attorney General of the United States of America. Forget politics. Forget about rhetoric. Forget about people yelling at you. How about you do what you were hired for? Somebody breaks a law, you prosecute them. Merrick Garland is the one that said no one's above the law. If you do not prosecute Donald Trump, let's just talk about this situation, this clear-cut violation of the Presidential Records Act. If you do not prosecute him, then what you're saying about no one being above the law is absolute bullshit. You're lying to us. 
Merrick Garland's going to get a lot of pressure and a lot of heat, and he knows it. He's a smart man. So he's going to have to do something about it. And this is just one of many things he has to address in terms of violations of various laws by Donald Trump, his administration, and members of the Republican Party. Time is running out on this thing. So we're going to see some action out of Merrick Garland. I have to assume he's going to pursue these things. He's going to send out indictments and uh, the... the, the uh, last straw will come about sometime soon. The bricks are starting to crumble. Now, we're still waiting and um, watching the Russian-Ukraine issue. They haven't invaded yet, but uh, when you look at 100-plus thousand troops on the border, you've got all kinds of tanks and weapons. You've got blood supplies and hospitals being set up. It's hard to suggest that, oh, we're just goofing around, or we're just doing war games. That's not what they're doing. Vladimir Putin is very intent about either sending a message or actually attacking. I still question whether he will actually attack. And Joe Biden is doing something now to try to stop him. He's saying that if they attack the Nord Stream 2 gas line from Russia to Georgia, will never open up. The whole project will be shut down. And that's good. I mean, that's going to cost the Russians some money. But here's what you have to understand about that gas line. It's not open yet. There was already one gas line running from Russia to Georgia, or Georgia, uh, uh, to Germany. That's already running. And it's not at full capacity, so it's not like they're overflowing with gas that they have to send, so they need this other pipeline. Ultimately, it will be helpful and cause them to send more oil from Russia to Germany. So, at this point, disallowing that second Nord Stream 2 pipeline is an annoyance, but I don't think it's devastating to Russia. There are other sanctions they can do that will be devastating not only to Russia, but Vladimir Putin himself. But it goes back to what I was saying before. Why are you going to wait until they uh, invade Ukraine before you do something? I know this is kind of a game of chicken. You do something, I'll do something, and see who has the most courage. But we know Vladimir Putin. He will double down, triple down, quadruple down. He's got more power so he can be more crazy when it comes to playing this game of chicken. What they really need to do is uh, sting him a little bit with some sanctions. Not the big ones yet, but enough to make it hurt a little bit, to cause them to back off. And as I've said before, Vladimir is not going to back off until he can figure out a way to look good doing it. He's not going to look like a coward or he's backing down to America. No way he's going to fucking do that. But Joe Biden's got to be a little more aggressive here. You can't say, well, if you do that, we're going to do this. Well, if you do that, you could end up having 50,000 Ukrainians dead first before you implement this sanction. It doesn't seem like a hard choice. You've got to stop them in their tracks. And if it means taking down their economy to do it, well, so be it. 
I know you don't want to do that, but we certainly don't want a war in the Ukraine. We're not going to fight in the Ukraine. The Ukraine doesn't have a fucking chance against Russia, so we got to stop this bully. And as I've said before earlier in the podcast, sometimes you have to approach a bully in the only way they understand. That's by being a bigger bully. And America can be a bigger bully in this situation. They have the leverage and they have the tools and the power to do it. So instead of just talking about it, maybe it's time to do something. You don't have to blow your whole wad, but you got to do something to make them know and let them understand that you're fucking serious. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope the Russians back off. But it's not going to be easy. They're not going to say, "Okay, we're done. Let's go. It's not going to be that easy. It's going to be more complex than that because Vladimir Putin is kind of fucking crazy. And it's all about masculinity and ego and things with him. And he's not going to go through this thing looking like he's weak. So you're going to have to figure out a way to make him look strong and get him to back off because that's the only way it's going to get done. One last thing, the Supreme Court put a hold on a lower court ruling that Alabama must um, draw new congressional districts before the 2022 election to increase black voting power. Again, this, this has to do with voter suppression. This is the kind of thing we're seeing all over the country. We've got the Republicans who have limited time and their power is slipping away, but they still have enough to try to redistrict places so that it diminishes the effectiveness of the black voter and increases the effectiveness of the white voter. Again, this is the only way they can win, by cheating. They're running out of people. Old white men are dying. Thank God for that. And don't get on me about that. I'm an old white man, so I have every right to say that. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't get mad at a guy for putting down the uh, group he belongs to. And I can talk down some, uh, some middle-aged or elderly people, white men in this country, because they do some horrific things. Well, anyway, the lower court said, no, you can't do that. We've got to change this to a more fair situation gets to the Supreme Court, and they go, no, 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 you can keep doing that. I think it's all pending an actual court case with the Supreme Court, which could come uh, two years from now for all we fucking know. So these lines that hurt the black vote are going to stay in place. Now, the vote from the Supreme Court was 5-4. We know the split is six conservatives to three liberals. But the vote was 5-4. What probably happened, and I haven't read this far into it as yet, but I'm almost sure this is what happened, is that uh, five of the conservatives voted to stop this redrawing of the district lines. Three of the uh, liberals, all three, voted for it. And John Robert, the Chief Justice, who is conservative but tries to be the uh, voice of reason, if you will. Even though he's conservative, sometimes he sides with the Democrats when it makes sense. And I presume in this particular situation that's what he did. But it didn't matter 
because it was a 5-4 win for the conservatives and a 5-4 loss for voters in Alabama. Again, the Supreme Court is really concerned about the perception that they are partisan or biased. But they do shit like this, and they prove that they are partisan and biased. They're afraid it's going to affect their credibility. Too late, motherfuckers, because it already has. Nobody has any confidence in the Supreme Court, and that is a sad thing. That's the highest court in the land. That should be above reproach, but it's not. It's become a big partisan game, which makes the Supreme Court less powerful, less credible. You can scream and cry what people think, but they're only going by the way you act and your actions in cases like these. This epitomizes somebody who's partisan and somebody who's biased. So you can cry about what people's perceptions are, but you're doing it to your fucking self. And it's a sad day when our Supreme Court does not have credibility any longer. That's the one thing that, as I said, should be above reproach, but not anymore. We've lost a lot of ground in the Supreme Court. We've got some horrific people on the Supreme Court. And uh, things there need to be fixed. And again, I've talked about it before. The only way you can fix this now is a Democrat that after the 2022 election, presuming that you keep majority in the House and the Senate, you stack that fucking Supreme Court and add three or four more justices to even things out. That's perfectly legal to do. It should have been done before because we have a bigger population in this country than when it was set at nine and with more people there should be more representation so there's a legitimate reason for stacking the supreme court all right we're going to wrap things up for the rational boomer podcast want to thank you for taking the time to sit back and listen we will be back tomorrow so i hope you have a great day thanks for listening to the rational boomer podcast Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.